Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Manchester United overcome 180 minutes of frustrating officiating to complete a fantastic week for the club with an away victory in Spain in the Europa League and a wonderfully satisfying 3-1 win at Tottenham. We're talking both of those games, revelling in United's second half display in North London and paying tribute to Pogba, Cavani, Henderson and plenty of others in Series 6, Episode 33 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Welcome to the show. Later in the episode, we'll look ahead to Thursday's second leg against Granada and Sunday's league game with Burnley, talking about the change in culture under going to Solskjaer since last season's game at home to Burnley where they beat us 2-1 but before that there's your regular extensive youth loan and women's roundup in the middle of the show Jack it's a, a week to smile in the month of April where football can provide fantastic moments but generally the wear and tear of the season often takes its toll and creates dull games that was not true of Sunday's win against Spurs certainly not in the second half and, and let's forget VAR forget comments about feeding fathers and referees and um, focus on the game itself United overcame frustration and the performances of Henderson, who was decisive and proactive in goal, Pogba, who was at the heart of everything, Cavani, who played exactly like a nine should, and Mason Greenwood offering two moments of, of brilliant quality off the bench, they defined the game for United. I mean, a, a week that really couldn't have gone any better was sewn up pretty much, you would think, anyway. The Europa League quarterfinal against Granada, meaning now we can hopefully rest some players. And quite a few players will also be have to be rest because we've got so many suspensions from yellow cards in the first yeah. leg. And then, honestly, a, a quite brilliant, probably second hour of the game against Spurs. Solskjaer said it himself after the game, the first half an hour, we started slowly. But once Spurs scored, I think that's one of our best performances of the, se- of the season, honestly. From front to back, we were very, very good all across the pitch. I don't think there was anyone really that had a poor game we looked confident we looked decisive on the ball going forward we were playing some really good stuff and and we we kept Spurs who on their day especially when they have a goal to, to protect and can sit back and hit on the counter attack are you know one of the most dangerous teams in the league I would say with Kane and Son we kept them pretty quiet the entire game their, their chances were snapshots and then one from from a corner so I think overall 
uh, I mean, a great week for United. A lot of positives, both as a team and, and as individuals, and overcoming a difficult set of circumstances in the time being to to come up to those results as well. Yeah, well, we'll go on to those players I mentioned in more detail in a second, but it's some win given the circumstances. Because to, firstly, to put in that kind of performance, having got back from Spain on Friday, having played twice since Spurs had last had a game, is some effort anyway. But to overcome the... Because but in the pre-VR days, you might score and have a goal disallowed. But what you wouldn't have is that feeling and elation and relief of, of going ahead for two minutes and then to have it chalked off and then have to reset your mentality. That's a, a new kind of mental challenge thrown up by the introduction of VR in, in the Premier League. And so to, to combat both of those hurdles, to combat the fitness issues thrown up by the Europa League, and then the, the, mental, the mental, mental state of going ahead and having it ruled out is, is really impressive and I don't think should be underestimated. Not at all. I mean, coming off of playing... You know, I think it was twice since Spurs last played, having played on Sunday and then Thursday, not really resting any players throughout all of that. As we discussed last week, that was going to be the challenge. And then most of those players now playing three games in the space of a week, all of which were, you know, very high intensity games right until till the end. The mental challenge, I guess, disappointment of the, the ruled out goal, then immediately going behind. I mean, a lot of teams would have crumbled in that situation and I think understandably so. You know, that is a, a really, really difficult set of circumstances to deal with when you're likely the more fatigued side. You've just had circumstances go against you, then been hit with the sucker punch of, yeah. of conceding. I think a lot of teams and a lot of United teams of the past would have sunk after that and probably huffed and puffed through the second half and not really created too much. And, and we'd all be crying about, you know, VAR, which we still are. But I, I think you've got to give credit to this team as as much as as much as we don't want to be falling behind and I'm still sceptical of, of how long this amazing run of coming from behind can go on, you have to hand it to this team. Their resilience and their mental strength is, is, is really, really impressive. Yeah, uh, it, it is just to make, to make that VR debacle, and we will we'll mention it briefly, but I don't want to go on it, but we'll mention it briefly later, but to make that just a footnote to what most people are talking about as a great second half performance from United. That that is really impressive and and the players and the coaching staff deserve credit. But also the whole week, I, I don't think it, it should be underestimated the challenges faced. And we've spoken about this before, about how this season would show who the most efficient coaches are, who can get their message across in the least amount of time, because there simply is no time on the training ground. And we've said, we've said at times that it has looked like it isn't social at times. They look like it is. And that, I mean, that's just the nature of football. It's a, it's a season where things swing from high to low, but not necessarily that, but just simply managing in this time where coaches and players get to see very little of their family games are every three days, basically on average is, is, is really impressive. And I don't think should be forgotten. Um, lots of, uh, we're so far into the season now, a year of playing, well, almost a year of, of football in the year of COVID um, that we, we can't forget one of those things, but talking about, um, individual players. And we're going to talk more about the culture that Solskjaer has changed. You're right. This is a side who 
previous sides and I think previous Solskjaer teams would have crumbled under that and we would be at the end of this game complaining about VR instead of talking about the fantastic resilience show. We'll talk more about that a bit. We've got a question from Lars about the change in culture at United on a Solskjaer. So we'll talk more about that in the second half of the show. But a couple of individual performances which were fantastic. We'll start with Cavani. Solskjaer spoke after the game about Fans need to see and Cavani needs to experience scoring at Old Trafford in front of a full crowd. And we do need to see that. He he deserves to be serenaded by the United faithful in front of the Stretford end after scoring. That header was was brilliant. A brilliant diving header. But it was a fantastic performance. He he was clearly riled after the disallowed goal and you could see how determined he was to win the game for United. And it comes after a spell in which he hasn't looked particularly impressive, but this was fantastic. He he really hasn't looked particularly good recently. And I've I've got to say, I wondered whether this might be the beginning of, of the end for Cavani's time at United. Obviously, yeah. the, the rumours about him going to Boca Juniors, but also his performance levels had dipped quite dramatically, honestly. And we, we just weren't seeing the same Cavani that we were seeing say around the Christmas time. But this this was Cavani back to his best. It's it's quite astonishing, honestly, just how good his movement and his awareness is. Even at his age, he looks a class above almost any other striker that we have at the club and he offers us so, so much. I mean the just the ability to be able to put in an early cross like Greenwood did for his goal and know and understand that Cavani will be there making the right movement. You can see it, and I love watching his movement in the build-up to the disallowed goal as well. Yeah. Because yeah. I think what Cavani does so so well is sometimes he just stands still. Yeah. You can see he wants the ball to feet from Pogba initially, and then just for a just for a second he he stands almost completely still. And actually, I think as a striker, that's one of the the best skills you can ever have is the ability to just stand still for a minute because it makes defenders. It, it does something to defenders; it almost lulls them asleep a, a little bit in in that. Then when you go to make the run, it's so much more difficult for them to to then go and follow that run. And it's it's brilliant, a brilliant pass from Pogba and a great finish. He offers us so much. He's not he's not a you know a typical sort of centre forward that will come short and hold the ball up like like someone like Giroud. And he's also not the kind of centre forward that will run in behind constantly like a Martial or a Rashford. But he yeah. he's somewhere in between, and that's actually perfect for us. His whole his his hold up plays. Kids link up play could still be a little bit better. I think that is probably the one area where we probably do lose out a little bit with Cavani versus, you know, yeah, although a I top, thought, top striker. I thought this was one of his better performances in that regard. There were quite a few times where he came out to the left and right wing and and had an influence there. And normally we can oh, yeah, see absolutely. him. You set up a Rashford chance early on in the first half as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. today was pretty good. I think in, in general that's probably where we lose out of touch with Cavani. But I mean, Solskjaer's absolutely right. He does deserve that moment at Old Trafford, but it's also absolutely right. And I think we forget often that, you know, these footballers this season have, especially anyone who's moved to United from last summer, you know, they've basically been going a whole year now without a lot of their family members, never really having properly settled in, in England you know, that must be really tough. And so you can completely understand why Cavani might want him to be go back to South America. Yeah, absolutely. There's certainly a human element to it. And I mean, the, the movement for the disallowed goal, you're right, was it, it was that thing where he stood still and it, you kind of expect strikers, when strikers normally score goals, it's from getting in front of the defender. This was the opposite. It was, he stayed behind the defender and then made the run behind him. And, and because he stood still, he kind of, 
he he'd forced that complacency in the Spurs defence and then managed to find the space and then a brilliant finish. Um, I guess only bettered by the the header that he he was actually allowed to celebrate. Um, Dean Henderson, again, we can say gives brilliant confidence to the back line. Um, I, I, I kind of, I was noting down his best moments throughout the game, forgetting the saves actually. But six minutes in, he comes out of his area to clear a ball that otherwise Spurs would have a one-on-one chance. 22 minutes in, catches across, comes off his line, releases it immediately. Fernandez passes long forward and, and Rashford is in space and, and gets dispossessed. 62nd minute again, comes out quickly, great starting position and he comes out and clears. Kane would have otherwise been through one-on-one. And then 88th minute again, he comes out, claims across that Shaw would have had to beat Bale too. He made only one save of real note, to be honest. I think it was against Kane in the second half at his near post with his his right foot. But this was perhaps more than any other game where Henderson really imposed himself as United number one and showed in a big game how much, to, to the casual onlooker, I guess, it could seem like he didn't have much to do in that game. But that was because he stopped himself having to get in those one-on-one situations. He stopped having to face headers because he came out and claimed the crosses. And it is, we've said the whole time, it's the one real the one really obvious advantage that Henderson offers over De Gea. Yeah, I, listen, I think that the shot stopping is, you know, we, we all know that both Henderson and De Gea are very, very good shot stoppers. We're blessed with with having two goalkeepers that are very, very talented in, in that department. But I think it is, it's that ability to to look assured and dominating at times that I think puts Henderson over the top of De Gea in this current situation the the sweeping duties are the the clearest example of it. And he was brilliant at that. I was reading some stats from Sky Sports that in something like 330 games, De Gea has only done what Opta defines as a, as like a sweeping duty from a keeper th- three times in a game. I think four times in his United career, and Henderson's now done it twice already in the sort of 10 15 games that he's played. So you know that is an asset of his game that we just don't get. And it has a massive knock-on effect for our defence as well, because I noticed against Spurs, we were able to play a higher line and not be so worried about the ball being played in behind. You know, we still don't have the fastest pair of centre-backs, but when you have a goalkeeper that's ready and willing to come out and perform those duties so well, it gives you so much confidence to push higher up the pitch. And that has a knock-on effect on the way that we go forward, because we can have an extra men um, sort of the, the right end of the pitch. So, the knock-on effect that Henderson has is huge. I'm, I'm still of the, the camp that I don't think there's a huge difference at the moment between Henderson and De Gea. I personally would probably give Henderson the slight edge and that is enough because of his age to mean that Henderson, to me, 100% has to be the number one. I think in the end, we've got quite lucky with how the situation panned out with De Gea needing to go back to Spain to be with his wife for the birth of their first child, which allowed Henderson to get a run of games without it really being too much of a controversy. And now we've just made probably one of the most potentially controversial switches. You know, Man United number one is such a scrutinised position and we've made that switch and no one's really talking about it now. Yeah, and and there will be issues going forward because there is on huge wages and if United do want to keep Henderson as number one, then that is a problem. And that's a problem that it comes down to past decisions, but also current ones. So that there is problems there, but the, the transition, if this is the transition, has been relatively smooth thus far. Um, we mentioned Cavani, his partnership with Pogba as well. 
the, the two of them together are, are fantastic. You mentioned that chance that Cavani made for Rashford in the first half a, a few minutes ago and that was from Pogba winning the ball high up and then Cavani being there to latch onto it and then to Rashford and it was one of, of many examples where they worked together. They were probably the two best players and I think they were, they were joint for man of the match on the United app with I think 37% of the vote each and I can't remember which one just edged it but both of them together were brilliant and Pogba did... Pogba one of those games where he does everything in in different stages where he adapts to the game and you saw late on he just stuck on that left wing and controlled the ball for kind of 20, 30 seconds at a time taking on players then moving back taking on another player moving back just keeping possession and running the clock down earlier in the game it was different he'd be driving forward through the middle or winning aerial battles creating chances and, and putting crosses in so it was one of those those proper dominant Pogba performances This was to be fair, as it has been probably for the last three weeks or so, this was Pogba at his absolute best. He was absolutely dominant for the vast majority of the game. You know, every time he got the ball, it felt like he was going to make something happen. And he did for, obviously, the disallowed goal, assisting Greenwood. I think what's great about Pogba when he's playing like this is how versatile he can be. There's not normally something that we say about Pogba, but he seems to, he, he his ability and his skill on the ball is such that he's able to use it so well in so many different situations. You mentioned there about running down the clock. He was instrumental in us running out the clock brilliantly towards the end, you know, and he's keeping the ball in the corner with his tight control. And then the second he gets a little bit of space, he's able to take advantage of it and kill the game with a great move to get past Hoybier and Dyer, pinpoint pass into Greenwood. But then earlier in the game, he's, he's running the show really. He's our main creative force going forward. And that was when he's playing off the left wing as well, which is a somewhat unnatural position for him. He's been brilliant recently. And I, I've, what I've really noticed, what really struck me in the Spurs game, and this, this might be to do with the sort of relationship that he has with, with Cavani as well. He, I've, ne- I've never seen Paul Pogba celebrate goals <laughs> unless he scores them himself the way that he yeah. did. And I know that's such a stupid thing to, to sort no, of it's a fair point. Uh, pick up on. And it's a bit of a... It's a bit of a trope that, you know, he looks disinterested. He's only interested when he scores himself. But if you watch the first goal, the disallowed goal. Yeah, that one especially, yeah. The disallowed goal, Pogba's straight over to Cavani, leaping in the air. The same thing when Cavani does eventually score. You know, he seems so much more invested in this team at the moment. And I'm sure it's because he's probably, you know, in a good period in terms of his own form. And, you know, Solskjaer's man management has always been brilliant regardless of, of what happens over the summer, I think this seems like the best version of Paul Pogba that we've seen at Manchester United. Yeah. And it goes back to the idea of a, a different culture at United now. And obviously the contrast between United and Spurs fans enjoyment of that game, um, not to labour the point, but Mourinho versus Solskjaer makes it even more obvious. And we will talk about that later. I, get, I think the part, part of the reason the celebration was so passionate for the first goal is I think United knew they needed one moment of of genuine real quality build up play to break that Spurs defence down. And it seemed like that was kind of training ground stuff, the way that Pogba waited on the ball, Cavani stayed still and then made the run and it was perfectly timed. And I think that was that kind of uh production of training ground football in matches always satisfies players more than anything else when they've worked on it and then it comes off in the game. Well and Solskjaer said after the game that they just cool. had a meeting that morning about how to get the best out of Cavani 
and how they can use his movement, yeah. use his talents better as a as a group. So it, it seems like it has been something they've been focusing a lot, even just the morning of the game. So yeah, I think it probably is to do with that. Yeah, putting putting to bed claims that Solskjaer has no tactical understanding um, yet again. We haven't got that much time to talk about a few more things. Mason Greenwood, it's, it seems a shame to go so quickly over this, but... Uh, we can come back to talk about. We've spoken about Greenwood a lot. We can come back to speak about him again in the future. But what an impact off the bench from from a 19 year old in in fantastic form. The other thing we we do need to mention briefly is VAR. And I don't. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of tempted to skip over it, but everyone's had their say. Kind of. I, I thought it was a joke, but I won't go on much more because there's not that much more you can add to the discussion already. The only new thing I can say is go look at the third goal again. Pogba creates it the player we've just been talking about he goes through two players the second player he goes past is Eric Dyer, and he pushes him away with his left arm the difference is two things one Pogba and Dyer are much more similar in height than Scott McTominay and Son but also Pogba does connect with either his face or his neck I can't quite tell from the camera angle but either way Dyer doesn't go down for three minutes and so no check is needed and that's why it's so silly that's why it's ridiculous. It's inconsistency. 1.88 meters. Eric Dyer is 1.91 Pogba. Whereas Son and McTominay are 10 centimeters apart. So naturally McTominay's hand is going to flail into the face of Son. It's the inconsistency that's so frustrating, but I'll, I'll give you 30 seconds or a minute to, to vent out on this, Jack. I, I had three points on this. So, so one, I, I don't think the goal should have been dis- disallowed, but I can understand why it was. As soon as you make contact with someone's face and especially if they, Make a meal of it. I can understand why it wasn't given, even though I think it was the wrong wrong decision. Yeah, but one, if he's if the ref has decided that he's hit his face with enough force that it's a foul, why is it not also a second yellow card? Because you know, surely if if you've decided it's a foul, he's done it maybe on purpose, maybe by accident. Doesn't really matter if it's hard enough that it's a foul and made Song go down like that, which is the reason you've looked at it. Surely it's a second yellow for McTominay. Obviously, I don't, I don't want that to happen as a United fan, but just talking about sort of the process of VAR. Two, if we're now saying that hitting someone or touching someone in the face with so little force that it's not a yellow card is a foul, okay, sure. But then that surely means that almost any contact anywhere on the pitch should always be a foul. And in this case, why wasn't the game then restarted with a United free kick for the initial grab by Son on McTominay's arm? Because if the threshold for a foul is so low that we're saying an accidental flick where he barely touches him is a foul, then why did it not restart with a free kick to us for the initial foul? But I think the biggest thing, the bugs me sort of big picture wise, three, is that the threshold for fouls when it goes to VAR suddenly yeah. just becomes so much lower than it is in the, the regular game. The dropped massively. Right. And I just think this is not this is not what anyone wanted with VAR. People wanted the egregious errors, the really, really bad mistakes from referees to be picked up on. And you wanted to get something that referees don't see, like when there's a kick out off the ball or something like that. They No one wanted these sort of ticky-tacky fouls, these soft fouls to be micro-analysed. If you put anything yeah. in slow motion, it's going to look bad. It's going to look like a foul. The problem for me is that as soon as we start looking at something on VAR, all of a sudden, what, what is a foul is so much different than it is in the real game when that isn't the point. That yeah. isn't the point of VAR at all. It's the same with all these offsides. Why can't we just give the referees some leeway to stick with what they, their original decision was and we go to VAR when it's an 
obvious error, which is what we were told it was going to be in the first place. You can't yeah. tell me that that's an obvious error. Again, I actually don't think the McTominay one is even the worst that we've seen. I can understand I why the, that was given as a foul. It's just the whole process around it makes no sense. Yeah, I think the part of the reason it riled so many people up, not just United fans, is that's the earliest in a move that VR has gone back. Yeah. Or the furthest back in a move that VR has gone back to disallow a goal. A kind of very slight coming together way outside the box and then there's another what two three passes and a shot before the goal is scored um, there there hasn't been a goal I think that's the first time that a goal has been disallowed for something that happened outside the box obviously other other than um, certain offsides I think one Firmino handball um, so I think that's what it is um, we, we should I mean we, there, there could be so much more we could say about this but We've got plenty more to discuss after the youth and women's roundup, so I'm going to go to that. Um, and then we're going to be talking about Granada second leg and Burnley and the changing culture. Manchester United's under-18s enjoyed a brilliant 6-1 win against Stoke City on Saturday lunchtime. Alejandro Garnacho getting a hat-trick, all of his goals assisted by Charlie McNeil, who also scored himself as well as Isaac Hansen and Amari Forson. Amari Forson might be off in the summer, but we'll see. There's a few uh, under-18s and under-23s who are unsure about their futures. Talking of the under-23s, they were disappointed after losing 3-2 to West Ham United after leading 2-0. Completely turned off after achieving that two-goal lead and all of West Ham's goals were scored by ex-United Irish striker Mipo Ojubeko. Three fantastic finishes from him. He's certainly going to be in the first team picture at the London Stadium very soon but a really disappointing game for United's under 23s who simply just turned off um, which was a, a negative thing to see. In low news, James Garner played 90 minutes in a 0-0 draw versus Bristol City, was named man of the match. Ethan Laird played 90 minutes in a 0-0 draw for MK Dons against Ipswich Town. Ted and Mengi also played 90 minutes for Derby this weekend as they lost to league leaders Norwich 1-0. Dishon Bernard hasn't been in action recently for Salford City. Facundo Palustri didn't make the squad for Alaves against Athletic Bilbao. And Heath Chong came off the bench for nine minutes in a defeat for Club Bruges against Anderlecht. Andreas Pereira did play 15 minutes for Lazio in a 1-0 win against Hellas Verona, but he's still certainly just a rotating substitute option for the Italian side. And Diogo Dallo came off the bench as well in Serie A, coming off the bench for AC Milan in a 3-1 win against Parma, in which he got an assist. No women's game this week for United, but upcoming is an FA Cup tie against Burnley next Sunday at 2pm. Right, Jack, to move on from uh, VR, we said we wouldn't talk about it too much, but <laughs> but the first leg of the Granada game was incredibly frustrating in terms of the refereeing performance yet again. And, and yet again, to United's credit, they overcame that. And I think that's, that's a really important thing, actually, um, to, to have two officiating performances like that where you need to perform despite being so frustrated is is a credit to the mentality. Um the second leg against Granada it, it comes up on Thursday. United should should be absolutely fine with this. I don't think there's there's so much more we can say about the Granada game. The performance was fine. They overcame the referee in performance, but we we had an interesting question from one of our patrons Lars who said a big picture question. Has Solskjaer successfully changed the culture at United? Culture is a difficult thing to change. His stated goal when he started was to bring back some of the winning culture from the past, back to roots, so to speak. Um, well, I, I think the, the, the quick answer is yes, but the reason I'm, I'm putting this in, in this part of the show is because United have Burnley at home on Sunday 
And if you think back to January 22nd last year, we played Burnley at home pre-Bruno Fernandes and we lost to a Chris Wood header. It seemed like it might be the end for Solskjaer and the same fixture comes against now and, and so much has changed. United have lost four games all season and the culture has changed, hasn't it? And, and I guess the stages of it have been getting rid of Deadwood, which is still not quite done, but I'm not sure that's Solskjaer's fault. Getting rid of, of complainers and negative influences in the dressing room and bringing in the right players. Add to that certain changes in approach. But I think in terms of the culture, it's those three things. Yeah, I, th- I think it's undoubted that there's been a change in culture since, I mean, not just since Solskjaer's come in, but I think especially in the last year or so, since Bruno Fernandes came in, who's, who's obviously been a massive influence. But I think a lot of that, a lot of that credit has to go to Solskjaer and everything yeah. that he's done at, at the club. I think it, it almost goes unnoticed sometimes, I think, just the difference now compared to where we were sort of 18 months ago. It was January yeah. the 22nd, 2020, when we lost to Burnley. And, you know, we'd just gone through a run of fixtures where we'd drawn 0-0 with Wolves in the FA Cup and been taken to a replay. We'd just lost to Man City in the um, in the first leg of the League Cup semi-final. We then just scraped past Wolves in the replay, lost to Liverpool at Anfield, our last away defeat in the Premier League, actually, wasn't it? Um, and then lost yeah. 2-0 to Burnley at home. And it felt it felt like the end for Solskjaer, I'm not going to lie. I think that was probably the closest that we felt to him potentially being sacked. But what he's done since then is is quite remarkable. There was a thing on, on NBC yesterday after the game saying a uh, discussion of of how Solskjaer has improved as a manager. And I think we have to give him so much credit for what he's done at United, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch as well, because the culture shift I think is completely obvious. This was a team, a United team that ever since Sir Alex Ferguson retired has been quite fragile mentally, even under Jose Mourinho, who is, you know, seen as this sort of master of making teams mentally strong, we were we were weak mentally. We were we didn't have a strong spine yeah. to the team. Under a little bit of pressure, we would often crumble. And what Solskjaer has done to turn this around, I think, has been quite remarkable. And I think it starts not just from sort of a a mentality side of it, which we know that Solskjaer is good at. It. The way he speaks in the media is very good, but it's from getting the spine of the team sorted out. I think, and yeah. then bringing in Maguire for all his faults, I think. Maguire is proving his worth more and more every week from bringing in Bruno Fernandes from actually I think getting Scott McTominay in that midfield more and more who again despite his I guess his limitations as a as a player his ability as a leader is is almost unmatched I think in our squad and Marcus Rashford stepping up to become the leader of that front line it, it it's a remarkable turnaround it really is and I th- I can't give Solskjaer enough credit for what he's done it, you know, the results are great, of course, but just the manner in which we played, how resilient we are, how much character we show week in, week out. I know that these are often sort of tropes that are thrown out there, but I think in this case, it's it's yeah, plainly I, obvious for everyone to see how different the mindset of this team is compared to where it was a year and a half ago. Yeah. I mean, if if, if we think back to Burnley, but also to the 4-0 defeat with Everton, Solskjaer spoke about how much change was needed. And I think it... It, the, the resilience of this team now is impressive. And of, of course, it's maybe a, a 
kind of a, a conversation for the time where we've maybe forgotten things in the past and forgotten how bad things were in October, November. But I guess, because there was, there was certainly that change from in Solskjaer's management where United were good at beating big teams and bad at beating the small ones. Whereas the first half of the season, at least, we couldn't beat the big teams and we had nil-nil draws against City and Chelsea and Arsenal. We lost another game to Arsenal. Um and, and and Liverpool as well, and it was, and then we were beating the the small teams, and United now have the chance with three away games left, have the chance to be only the fourth team in English football history to go a whole season unbeaten away from home in the top flight of of England, following on from Preston North End in eighteen eighty eight and Arsenal a couple of times in the early two thousands. That 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 would be an incredible achievement, and and is about resilience. And I think what it comes down to is. Yes, what he says in the media, but ultimately that's not quite so important. But the the treatment of individual players, because we can talk about the impact of Bruno Fernandes, which was obviously enormous when he came in from uh, sporting. But you look at the Spurs game, the real impact is in that game was not Bruno Fernandes, but was Mason Greenwood, Cavani, who Solskjaer brought in partly for his mentality, I think. Paul Pogba, who was considered a virus under Jose Mourinho and Luke Shaw and Maguire. And I mean, Shaw in particular is, I guess, the best example of how Solskjaer's man management has been so effective. But Pogba is is also a fantastic example of that, where Solskjaer has managed him while his agent has been coming out with harmful comments to the club and managed to to build the United team. And this is where I go back to the points you were making about the, the spine of the side. He's managed to build a spine of the side without Popper in it so that he can bring him in and use him to United's benefit, but without having to rely on him. And that comes down to uh, the keeper situation was fine, but Solskjaer, I think, has improved it with his management of Henderson. Maguire has now played 102 games for United in just over 600 days. We've been calling for years for a a centre-back who can start every game throughout the season, play 50, 60 games in in a campaign. He does it and he generally does very well, particularly in the last few months, he's been one of United's best players. And it's that building of a spine and the man management of players who otherwise were considered to have no future at the club, particularly Popper and Shaw, that combination as well as obviously the, the the mentality that he's instilling to these players but that mentality comes not just from words in the dressing room at half time before kickoff at full time whatever but also by earning the trust of the players which he will have from Shaw because he's made him a better player which he'll have from Rashford because he's made a better player Pogba as well because he's handled it without uh, without letting the media kind of hound him down but throughout the team is examples where Solskjaer has improved players and has earned their trust. And that's what you see when United go down. He's he's instilled this mentality that United can come from behind, can overcome these hurdles. And that is a changing culture. It's, it's all about creating buy-in from the players. You know, any manager, regardless of how good they are tactically, regardless of how good they are with their substitutions, with talking to the media, whatever, the biggest thing that any manager has to do with a group of players is create buy-in for what they're trying to do. And if you don't have that, then it's it's doomed from the very start because they're not going to believe in what you're trying to create. They're not going to respond well to changes that you try and make. They're not going to be putting in full effort in training every day and everything like that. I, I think that has to be given as huge credit to Solskjaer to, from where we were, which to be honest, at times 
we've looked really, really down in the doldrums during Solskjaer's reign. And the way that he's created that buy-in through the good and the bad times, he's got rid of players who he felt weren't buying into that and has specifically made signings, I think, for of players that he thinks are going to buy into that idea and, and this progression that he's trying to take us on. I think he, again, just deserves so much credit for that. I thought it was brilliant to have Luke Shaw playing so well, marauding down the left flank right in front of Jose Mourinho throughout the yeah. second half yesterday. It was quite lovely to see. And and to be honest with you, I'm not I'm not particularly bitter about Mourinho's time in charge of United, but it, it is kind of lovely seeing this Spurs team go through almost exactly the same cycle that we went through with him at United, seeing all those mistakes repeated and just thinking that despite all of the times when I wasn't convinced that Solskjaer was the right man and I'll I'll hold my hands up that I was very critical of Solskjaer, especially in the, last, the sort of the start of this season, for all of those times, we are so much better off now than we were under Mourinho. Yeah. And it, it feels... It's it's weird, but because only a few weeks ago we were discussing how we were kind of uh, at best leveling off and at worst declining, and not really seeing the progress. But it's it's as you now get the sense that this season, if United can finish second and win the Europa League, is is a brilliant set of building blocks, a brilliant foundation to to go on. And if you look at there was an interesting graphic posted by uh, Tom Warville, the kind of stats guy at The Athletic, who was tweeting the, uh, a graphic of United's expected goals for and against the trend over time. So a 10 game rolling average and, and that it wasn't including penalties either. And the important thing in it is you look at the trend lines and from the start of the season in all three of Solskjaer's seasons, obviously one of them was, was only a half. Um, you see United expected goals for go up over the course of the season and United expected goals against go down over the course of the season. And his point was that you start to get the feeling that United are a good start to the season away from a proper, a proper title charge. And it's an interesting point. And obviously that, that relies on Solskjaer now sorting out the start to the season. This season was obviously slightly different. There was, plenty of excuses for why United started so badly um, but you do get well, the sense I mean, that something good has been built on if you look at the Premier League table and I know that you know the title race is over and has been for a while and, and we can't get away from that but when you actually look at the results for from us and, and Man City we're only four draws being turned into wins away from being having basically the same record as City. We've each lost four games this season. We've scored 61 goals. They've scored 67. The big difference is in goals against where they've only conceded 23 and we've conceded 34. But that's it. You know, you turn some of those early season poor results where you lose to Palace, you know, where we lock or who else did we lose to early early in the season? So many bad games, especially at home. Yeah, the 6-1, obviously, the, the bad game against Arsenal, you know, even even the game against City, potentially you turn that into a win. You know, f- we are only four draws away from being at the, at the same level as this City team. And, you know, I'll stand by the recent criticism or worries, I guess, maybe that we are plateauing because I think we have been. I don't think yeah. this week can take away from that. 
But when you, I think when you when you draw it out and look at it over the course of eighteen months, let's say since that Burnley game and Fernandez came in, the progress that we've made is huge. Obviously, there's so much still to do. It's so dependent on what we do this summer in the transfer window, but. You have to say that this is now a great platform for us from which to spring and try and get to Man City's level. The, I think the big question now for me in the Premier League from now until the end of the season is can Solskjaer match or better the points t- tally that we got in Mourinho's best season, which was 81. Yeah, We're on 63 with seven games left. So we need 18 points from the last seven games, which is going to be tough to match that that record. Um, but we don't have terrible fixtures, so we'll see if we can get to, to that 81 point mark. I, th- I think the key point here to, to wrap up is that I don't think there are any, I don't think that there are any, and I don't think there have been any concerns raised about the mentality of the United players for the majority of the season. I guess since the bad September and October. Particularly, obviously, a six-one. There were there were questions raised, but since that bad start to the season, and if you think about under Mourinho and under Van Gaal and under Moyes, that was not the case. And so, what you now have is, as as we've both said, this platform to build on, where there is so much still to do. United are terrible at set pieces, both in their own box and in the opposition box. There is still not, as we've spoken about before, there is still not this sense that. Although we saw it more against Spurs, I think there's still not this sense that United have enough of variety in their attacking play and enough consistency in the chances that they create. It, it too often seems uh, a go out and play improvise. There is still parts aside which are woefully inadequately supplied. There needs to be a right winger, whether it's Sancho or someone else. There needs to be a better defensive midfielder that will help. But these are these are matters of 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 personnel and tactics rather than mindset and mentality and and you your people have their personal viewpoint on what's more important or whether it's a 50-50 balance between the two or whether it's 60-40 either way but i don't think anyone with football knowledge would argue that uh one is kind of 80-20 more important than the other mentality and uh training and tactics are they are kind of in, in this equilibrium and I guess it, it it varies from manager to manager and club to club and, and squad to squad, but they are always in some kind of, of balance where mentality will always be important and, and that's kind of the, the culture change. So to answer, to finally answer Lars's question properly, yes. And, and, uh, and you, there you have our views on it. We will wrap up now um, and then answer a couple more patron questions. Lars, thank you for your question and, and your support. If any other listeners would uh, be interested in hearing more answers like that in our bonus Q&A, which we're about to go into, you can sign up to become a patron at, uh, well, for information about how to go to our Twitter at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. Otherwise, we'll be speaking to you next week after United are hopefully, fingers crossed, through to the Europa League semi-final where we'll play one of Ajax or Roma if we can beat Granada again or draw. Um at Old Trafford on Thursday and hopefully have beaten Burnley uh, to continue our comfort in second place and to continue the aspirations of a very, very few optimistic few um, who think that United can get back in the title race, which I think 
is impossible. But uh, we'll speak to you then. For more from us about the week, you can find Jack on Twitter at... At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me at Harry Robinson 64 And as I say, the podcast itself, at UTD Weekly Pod, P-O-D, at the end there. See you next week. Have a great week. Goodbye. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.